Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Our guest today on Looking Forward will speak about the tragic loss of lives that occurs here and elsewhere around the world due to suicide. More importantly, she's going to share with us some of the things that we might do to help us save at least one human life by preventing a suicide. Our guest today is Mary Ann Murtha, Area Director for the American Foundation of Suicide Prevention's Greater Philadelphia Area. Hi, Mary Ann. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good morning. Thank Good you morning. for having me today. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us and for sharing your expertise, your knowledge, your perspectives. It's a pleasure to have you on the program. I'm very excited. Well, thank you. What I'd like you to do first, Marianne, is if you could tell us just a little bit about AFSP. What are you doing there? What do they do? What are you doing there? And uh, I'm also curious, and I think our listeners would be, how did you get involved? Because in what little I know about you, you haven't been doing this for 50 years, I mean, or 25 or 10. This is sort of relatively new for you in the confines of your career. So to address your first question, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is a national organization. It actually started in 1987, um, where researchers who wanted to understand the causes and how to what needed to be done, what strategies, what science needed to be applied to stop suicide, came together with loss survivors. And back in 87, and even before then, if you said the word suicide, you whispered it, if you even said it. Right. Um, back then, the stigma was if you lost someone to suicide in your religious organization, in your family circles, your social circles, all kind of would ostracize you. You became isolated. And the survivors were just so, it's an isolating grief to begin with, but now they've been completely shunned from their, from their networks and their support groups. So these survivors came together and wanted to find a way to advocate and raise awareness. So I like to say, IQ and EQ came together. And since then, that movement started a nationwide movement today. Mm. There are 73 chapters in all 50 states, as well as over 1 million volunteers, boots on the ground, grassroots, in our communities across the nation, moving our mission forward. And, our, and we have four pillars today. One is research. The other one is what we call healing conversations or loss and healing, where we're reaching out to newly bereaved families of someone who died by suicide. We have 39 education programs. And then we are very, we are advocates of public policy. So while our national office is in New York City, we also have an office that sits in DC. And that staff actually works very closely with our legislators. We at the, at the chapter and the state levels are all working with local, state, 
and federal government representatives. So it's an interesting time and I won't talk about that, but yeah. um, it's really us advocating for the support that we need from the federal government in funding and the way laws are written and the changes that need to really bring mental health, to be smarter about mental health in our culture. Physical health and mental health are equally the same. You know, yes. we, I heard once that we think that our physical health stops at our shoulders. <laughs> our brain, our, our head, our body, our brain, all of that is part of our physical health. We talk about well-being, mind, body, soul, surrounding. And that's the whole being. So that's AFSP in a very small nutshell. My involvement in October of 2010 I lost my oldest child, my only son, Dominic yeah. Bellagaria. He so was sorry. 20. He was, thank you. He was 20. He was two months away from being 21. Mm. It was, needless to say, the most devastating experience and loss that my family has ever suffered. We're coming up on his 10-year anniversary on October 17th. But about two years after we lost him, I realized that I needed to do something in honor and to honor Dominic's life. So we formed a team. We started to walk in the out of the darkness community walk. And then I started to, to really understand the movement and the parts of the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, specifically to the five counties of Philadelphia region. And I started to volunteer for different committees. So from 2012 to about 2014, I was more of a volunteer. And then I got very involved with um, helping actually administer the walk. So I became a co-chair in 16, 17, and 18. Um, so helped put on that big thousand person event um, where we come together for a day of hope and healing. And then in 19, I was asked to take on the board as the board chair. Um, so in 19, I had a unique opportunity uh, that presented itself. Our area director at that time was having some, was pregnant, experienced some difficulties. So um, I actually got to jump in and do some area director work, even though I was still a volunteer. Yeah. And then by the end of the year, um, that person decided that she needed to move on. And I, I gave up a 35. I said, this is it. This is my last part of my career journey. And I want to do something that in some small way has impact on the world and I want to honor my son and so I applied for the position and within a week after applying I was on an airplane to the national staff meeting in Denver and being a staff member to help with the national chapter leadership council which conference which I've been to many years but now I was part of this movement. It's an organization that I truly believe in, not only for its mission and cause, but also its culture. So I am grateful for the opportunity to be able to he be here today and be out in the Philadelphia area, helping educate and raise the awareness and maybe help someone with their struggles. Well, thank you for sharing that, Marion. It's quite a story in terms of what happened to your son and your family, and also about what AFSP does. I'm very impressed by the fact that, that you have one million volunteers. I heard that right, one million? Yeah, over one million. I think that's incredible. Also, the fact that 
I know that you had been in senior level banking, you gave that up to do this. And I might add something, and this is something I think I learned years ago when I was in a different part of my career life. And that is for some of us, if we're fortunate enough, as we move into the more mature years of our lives, we start thinking a little bit more about how we can reach out and give back to others as opposed to thinking about me and what can I do to protect myself, to advance in my career and that sort of thing. And you have clearly made a move here that, that manifests that. You have decided, not that you weren't helping people, I'm sure, in banking, but you really feel a closeness to this, a calling to it, where you're, you're reaching out and helping individual people or people collectively. And I think it's wonderful. And, and it sounds like, if I'm correct, that what you're doing as the area director is kind of overseeing all of those four things that you mentioned that AFSP does in the Philadelphia region. And I do want to emphasize to everybody that although you are located in the Philadelphia area, Marian, there are chapters all over the United States. This is a national organization, again, with a million volunteers. Tell us a little bit, Marianne, about the scope of the suicide problem in the United States. And if you know anything about it globally, fine. If you don't, you know, that's okay. But I know it, it isn't just a U.S. issue. It's a world issue. And we'll get into this more. But during this time, it is even more of a concern worldwide. So tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Right now, I mean, our focus um, in the since we started in 87 has really been the United States and the work that we continue to do is in the United States. That's not to say that other countries don't reach out to us. We are part of the International Suicide Prevention Summit, which happens once a year. Mm. Um, and, but that's where the foremost experts in suicide prevention and research come together. So we have a seat at that table. We give our our perspective comes from the United States. Your your charity comes from your home, and we know that. So we're really saying, okay, let's let's do what we can in the United States. Sure. We can advise, we can share, but right now our work is right here, right now. So okay, well, let me just stop you for one second. But I am correct in saying this is a problem that many other countries are wrestling with as well. Yes. Okay. Now you were saying about the U.S. The U.S., so the suicide facts and figures that we know as of 2020, and that, I, you know, we'll, we'll address maybe COVID later yeah. on, but it is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Wow. Um, when we look at it, 132 Americans die by suicide on average each day. Oh, my God. These are Every day? Every day. 132. And what we do know is 1.4 million Americans will attempt suicide. So what we, what we say is lived experience. And 90% of the people who die by suicide have a diagnosable mental health condition at the time of their death. So again, we know, you know if you're diagnosed with cancer or some other disease, there's many ways, there's a movement or a cause or some way to help you. So this is, this has to be as equally important as when we have that come a family member ourselves that we, we immediately do what's needed to help take care of that diagnosis, whether it's therapy, whether it's prescription, 
or a combination because mental health is as equal as physical health. So I can't stress that enough. What we do know from a trending perspective, if you will, so what we know is men died by suicide 3.6 times more often than women. Um, women were 1.4 times more likely to attempt suicide. So men actually die by suicide where women tend to attempt suicide. For 48,000, over 48,000 Americans die by suicide. And here's the- Is that an annual number? Yes. 48,000. Yep. Wow, that's and like the Vietnam War here. Yes. Wow. And here's the heartbreaking statistics. And every time I say this, and I say this many times, my heart breaks a little. When you look at what the leading cause is for the ages of 10 to 34, suicide is the second leading cause. Wow. What a shame. And that's to tragic. think that our children are suffering is just, it's just so hard for me to swallow, if you will, or even say. Guns get stuck in yeah. my chest. Yeah. So it's, it's work that we need to continue to do. And it is the fourth leading cause of death for the ages of 35 to 54. Wow. So, and what we know is in 2017, the suicide rate was 1.5 times higher for veterans than yeah. for non-veteran adults yeah. um, over the ages of 18. So there's, there's so many, there, it just goes on and on and on. When we look at it, 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 has, it has, not only are we losing that person, it has impact on the family. There's also over 950,000 years of potential life that these people that we have lost to suicide before 65. There's losses of economic, emotional. It's so wide and so deep that, again, that is our mission to stop suicide and to be smarter about mental health. So, you know, I keep bringing that up because that is our mission and that is these numbers continue to fuel what we do every day. Briefly on something that's very important and it has to do with terminology. We all grew up, just about everybody, unless they're very, very young and aren't aware of this stuff. We all grew up using the term or reading about the term or hearing the term somebody committed suicide. You're not saying that. Is, the, is this by design that you're not saying that? And what's the significance of that, Marianne? So there's, we, we talk about language do's and don'ts. So what we teach, train, what I, me personally preach is avoid saying committed suicide, avoid saying failed or successful attempt. What that infers is judgment. It also, the word committed is a trigger for survivors. And I'm just gonna take it from my personal perspective. My son did not commit a crime and my son did not commit a sin. He was struggling with mental health issues. We were doing the best to address them, but his pain just overcame him. So when someone says that to me, I, I, actually, have an, I actually have a physical reaction because I want to protect my son and his legacy and his memory. So what we always say and what we teach is to say died by suicide. It's the same concept as my mom died of colon cancer or complications of colon cancer. My grandfather died of heart disease. So it's a disease and we've identified that. 
It's part of our physical being. So he died. My son died by suicide. Yeah. Um, ended their life is another acceptable way. Killed themselves or suicide attempt or death by suicide. So if someone attempts, you know, that saying failed attempt, well, nobody wants that to happen. Yeah. So yeah. we say this person has lived experience. Lived experience. That's an interesting way of putting it. I want to have us speak to one other thing, and then I want to jump into the more positive potential that we're looking at here, the upside <laughs> potential, because this is a program looking forward that looks to the future in positive ways, even during tough times. And this is, happens to be double trouble because this is a tough subject in a tough time, but it's a real subject and it's something that does need to be discussed. So let's just get this one other thing out of the way and then we'll kind of let the sun shine on this, okay? And what I want to bring up is I read some rather staggering statistics that the CDC apparently has come out with where they said that in June of this year, approximately 11% of the adult population in the United States at least had suicidal thoughts. By my learning of fractions years and years ago, that's one in nine. That's a staggering number. I also had read that about 40% of the population is having mental health or substance abuse disorders right now, again, attributed to COVID-19. This is a COVID-19 phenomenon. Are you experiencing that in any way yourself as part of AFSP? Are you hearing about any of that from national? These are very frightening, very disturbing numbers, which of course only increase the need for why we're having this discussion today. We're going to talk about what we can do to help stem the tide. Are you hearing this as well? Do these numbers sound credible to you? Well, no. What we do now and what our research has told us, and again, we, we've been doing research. We're the number one privately funded research organization specific to suicide prevention and mental health. What our research tells us is that when we look at the science that's available at this time, it's not clear how the COVID-19 outbreak will impact suicide loss. It is not a foregone conclusion that the pandemic will result in increased in suicide in suicide loss. The statistics, the research tell us that one in five people pre-COVID before, one in five people struggle with mental health issues. Now, we can talk about the added stressors and the added lo- loss of job, financial health concerns. We can, all those things are real. Loss of family members, too. Loss of family members, quarantining for 14 days. Do I have it? Don't I have it? Can I get the testing? Where, and, and, and that goes on. I mean, we could sit here all day just doing that. And, I, and yes, and in the beginning, there was this lack of ability to reach out to your support groups or your, your therapist or whatever mental health support you get. Well, because telehealth, prior to COVID wasn't mainstream. Well, today it is mainstream. And today you can reach out to your therapist and have a Zoom conversation like we're having today. 
groups are now online. I can tell you that we partner, if you will, with SOS, Survivors of Suicide Prevention. And that is their, their sole mission is to help uh, survivors and have group meetings and, and that, that kind of conversation. They're hosting their, their groups online. I personally have started to engage with a therapist that is telehealth. So the opportunities for us, there's always a curse and a blessing. That's right, how I right. see life. Absolutely so the right. The curse was COVID. The yes. curse was isolation, quarantine, the world shutting down, all of those things. The blessing is we're more together, even though we're apart. We have opportunities to connect with our, you know, we don't have to travel anymore. We can pick up the phone and call our therapist and Zoom that conversation. And we can check in on each other. I think the resources that now are being shared across all types of media, whether it's television, radio, internet, every, every major um, news outlet has covered this. We have personally, our, our chief medical officer has sat in with Anderson Cooper on CNN town hall series. The, the opportunities that have been presented while well, in the moment when we first hit was devastating. As we continue to do our work, not only at not only as AFSP, but all the other mental health organizations, they're reaching out and sharing resources in an open way, starting to break down the stigma. That's terrific. What I'm gathering from what you said, Marianne, is that while COVID is definitely placing a tremendous amount of strain on people, and of course that will vary person to person by their circumstances, by their makeup, and so forth, you're seeing a potential opportunity here that may not have existed before COVID in terms of a new avenue or avenues to address the issue of prevention of suicide. There's a lot that we can do to prevent that one out of 10 from ever, you know, even trying to do anything like that. So let's talk about that. You can speak, of course, most knowledgeably about what AFSP is doing to try to reduce the number of, of suicide attempts and deaths by suicide. So I'd like you to address that. Can you talk a little bit about some specifics about how it's being addressed? Let me address AFSP. We have a project that we have created. It's called Project 2025. And the goal of this is to reduce suicide by 20% by the year 2025. This is a huge goal. If just listening to our conversation today, Jeff, it's huge, right? But we have identified four critical areas that we can actually have impact on. And we've, we've done that through a lot of our research, what our research findings are, working with partner organizations across the country, as well as our dynamic our dynamic analytical system. So we have identified four critical areas. One is firearm safety. And sure. when I say that, over 50% of the deaths by suicide are by firearms. Wow. Okay. So that's, so we know, listen, that's 50%. All the, I can give you the quote, I could quote you all the other ones, but that one, we know we have to address that. So um, it's really working with gun ranges, gun shops, gun owners, and, and really just educating. And you're going to hear me say educate a lot. Educating them on firearm safety. 
um, removing firearms from the home if you know there's someone struggling. Putting locks on them. You can get free locks. We have them. We can partner with other organizations that have them. So firearm safety. We also have another initiative. So these are the four critical areas. The other area is emergency departments. So really helping those that staff, the doctors, the nurses, um, all of the people that are in that in that world. And you know, think about an emergency department. Some days you're just one, just keep them moving. Yeah. Um, but having them educate, we have work, we're working with medical education organization where we are helping them understand what are the signs, how to ask the right questions, how to talk to the person, and how to get them to where they need to be. The big initiative, but we're, we're a big organization and we, big, hairy, audacious goals. Yeah, with a lot of volunteers. And, and, and just to clarify, you're going to name these four initiatives. You've, you've named two. There's four initiatives. They're actually out there on the street now. You're doing these things. We're doing this. It's not like theory. You're no. doing these things. We've All been right. doing this work for the past couple of years. Okay. The other area staying in the medical profession is training medical professionals, whether it's, um, you know, GPs or medical mental health professionals. What are the signs? How to respond to the signs? How to work with the person and get them to the right place? And again, we're working with a national medical training organization to help us bring these programs to both emergency departments as well as general medical health systems. Mary Ann, before you get to the fourth one, real quickly, is this why when I go to my physician, I'm now being asked questions that have to do with taking um, my life? I love it. Thank you for sharing that, Jeff. Yes. You that will. is why. Okay. It's part of the, it's part, you know, what's your blood pressure? What, you know, we all know that routine. Yes. Yes. But sometimes our doctors don't go beyond that. And yes. now we're training our doctors because maybe they don't know what to say if you tell them you are struggling. So right. here's what... Here's what to look for. Here's how to respond. Here's where your resources are. Okay. I'm sorry. You were going to mention the fourth initiative. And then the fourth one is our correctional system. Correctional system. Okay. So what we do know is we're seeing an increase with inmates, but we're also seeing an increase with correctional officers. Wow. So that is, um, you know, we need to, we need to help people. We need to, find ways for the administration of these systems to, again, what are the signs? How do I identify them? What do you do? How do you respond? How do you get someone help? So that sounds like a lot. And you said that we're already doing the work and you're right. Marianne, the name of this show, as you know, is Looking Forward, this podcast. We've been talking about this. I've mentioned it before. This is a dark topic. However, there is some light. There's some possibility here. What I'd like to focus on now, as you were talking about the four initiatives, to continue in that vein, let's talk about, first of all, you, I know, I will say to everybody, I am a volunteer. I'm one of the million AFSB volunteers. And I have given a presentation, actually two on behalf of AFSP, about how to prevent suicide. So if you wouldn't mind talking about the AFSP organization, and first of all, I know that they have more than one program 
that's geared towards the general public to teachers. There's that part beyond the four initiatives. And then, and we'll, we'll get to this separately. I'm kind of giving it to you ahead of time. What can, what can we do? The listeners, what can we do? What can our friends do to try to help out? Not just help AFSP, one million one volunteer, that's great. But what can we do to save a life of somebody? How do we recognize these things? So let's first start with the AFSP programming that is designed to educate the general public and the teachers and whomever, college professors or whoever you're working with, about how to recognize and how to prevent this terrible thing from happening. Our, our general population program is called Talk Saves Lives, a brief introduction to suicide prevention. We offer this program, we can offer it, we, pre-COVID we were doing it in person, but now we're offering it virtually. We've actually taken that program as a general template, and we offer that to the general public, whether it be a workplace, a religious organization, a school, or, or anyone. We, can, we open it up to our, our communities. Additionally, we have created several that are more, a little bit more specific. So we have one for um, LBGTQ community. We have one for seniors, because we see that as a rising community rate of suicide. We have one for, um, we're developing one for firearms, and then we're actually developing one for the workplace. And we do have the ability to offer these in Spanish. And also in schools? Schools? We, we do schools. Now, we have some more specific programs more specific. that we prefer to offer to our school districts. It's called More Than Sad. More Than Sad. So there are three levels of More Than Sad. There's one which addresses teens, anybody over the age of 13. And that's really for a teenager to understand how to advocate for themselves and or appear. Um, this one we do not offer virtually because we feel like we need to be in person to offer any added support to the, to the young adults in the room. We have more than sad for parents. This is really, it really kind of goes into as a mom or as a dad, I'm seeing my child's mood change or there's definite behavioral changes. How do I address those? And how do I get them help? And then we have a very extensive one. It's called More Than Sad. And it's really designed for administrators and um, teachers in the school district. That gets a little bit more clinical in nature in the education piece. Um, we also have, it's called Real. We offer this to school districts for seniors in high school, as well as college age students. And that is for, our, for those children or those young adults to understand what their mental health challenges are, how to advocate for themselves, and then how they, um, and they, how they advocate for maybe their peers. This is a time that is so, so many new emotions and stressors and challenges that we want them to understand how to manage and do the work that they need as they move on to the, a new chapter in their life. That sounds like a great program. And that one was called Real? It's Real. It's Real. It's Real. Just want to make sure we got that name. And something else you mentioned there that's very important ties back in with something you said earlier about 
opportunities that may not have existed before, and you alluded to telehealth, Marianne, is these programs that you have mentioned, and we'll get to this at the end too, but these programs can, most of them, not all, can be available virtually. They are, yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. my presentations, well, one was given at a library, and I know we're not doing that right now, but that doesn't mean, again, we can't do virtual presentations. And I will put in a plug that Talk Saves Lives is a wonderful, well-put-together presentation. Now, let's bring this down to the micro level here, the personal level. What can I do to recognize either in myself that nah, this is not good thinking. I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be behaving this way. Not I shouldn't, but I, this is not good for me. I, my thinking doesn't seem to be right. It's not helping me. I'm feeling very sad. Or my, my mother, my cousin, my brother, whoever it might be, my son, right? How do I recognize that something is wrong with me or somebody else? And what do I do about it? So anyone can help anyone. It's, it's, it's really Talk Saves Lives. The name of the program really is truly what happens. It's, it's action-oriented. So we need to watch for the signs. We need to reach out. And then we need to find, help find the person, find the right help. Um, there are some definite warning signs. So if you have some, you or you're someone in your life is talking about ending their lives or talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain, um, having no reason to live or being a burden to others, that's an identifying warning sign that you need to sit up and listen. And behaviors. The other warning sign is the behaviors of someone. Are you noticing somebody is in, has an increased use of alcohol or drugs? Um, they're isolating from friends and family. Um, they're looking for a way to kill themselves or giving away possessions. If there if issues with sleep, some people associate too much sleep with depression, but not enough sleep is also an issue. So it could go either way, acting recklessly and then withdrawing from their favorite activities. They love to run and all of a sudden they're not running. Um, they love to play baseball, but they're not finding ways to go to the park and hit a ball. Um, and if you'll know because they're your loved ones. Or they're, or you, or their mood. They're they're depressed. They're they're really depressed. Um, they're impulsive. They talk about their humiliation. They're anxious or and express rage for things that just would never get them that upset. Or they're irritable. So if you're seeing any of those signs, I say we say all the time: trust your gut. Assume that you're the only person that's going to reach out and try to help this person. Maybe that's not the case, but you are the only person. Well, now you've identified it. What happens? How do you help? So what I would say to you is talk to them in private. If you're, you know, if you're have people around you or you're on a phone call or on a zoom and you notice them, take them aside and make sure you're creating a safe space for them to be able to openly share their feelings. So it's good. You're saying, I think there may be a myth out there, correct me if I'm wrong, that you shouldn't be saying anything to the person. You're saying, no, that's not true. No, that's not true. Asking the question, are you, do you have suicidal thoughts? Does not, will not have them have suicidal thoughts. It's 
actually how I explain it personally, my perspective is asking that question might have the person feel like the pressure cooker pop just popped and they can mm. say it out loud because they, they may have the stigma and all the things we've talked about earlier in the program, maybe playing in their head. So now if you're saying, do you have suicidal thoughts? Cause I want to help you tell me, share with me. Someone cares enough to ask me. Now they can open up, encourage them to seek mental health services. Always carefully listen to their story. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to offer advice. Oh, tomorrow's a better day, or you'll find there's more fish in the sea, or what? And we can come up with a million of them. You'll get Not, over it. You'll get over it. You'll get over it. You're young. You're no. Young. No. Those things actually are not helpful. <laughs> Although that is our natural inc inclination as humans to want to fix it for those people we love. It's listening. It's showing them how much you care about them, how much you want to help them not be in this pain anymore or not feel that way. Not, not tell them, don't feel that way. Tell them, I want to help you not feel this way anymore. So again, avoiding, avoid minimizing their feelings, avoid trying to convince them that life is worth living. And again, avoid the advice to fix it. So what can you do? I'm really struggling or my son's really struggling. Stay with them. If you are, and I'll go back to another point I made. If you know that there might be lethal means, whether that be prescription drugs or a firearm, Get it out of that person's reach. And then if you can, take them to an emergency room or reach out to their therapist. If you, have, if you don't have those types of resources, I would say call 1-800-273-TALK. We're going to say that again now and later too. Okay. Go ahead again. 1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-TALK. Write it down. There are counselors available 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what I say is if, if you're using the hotline, it's the National Suicide Hotline, I encourage you to be with that person. Maybe that person's not comfortable and don't want to feel that vulnerable to talk to a stranger. So you call the number, you pick up the phone, and you stay with that person. Hold their hand. Put your arm around them as they're going through this process. If you have somebody that's uncomfortable with the phone, text, talk to 741-741. And they, we have text hotline. Counselors are available 365 days a year, so 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Would you please repeat that text number? Sure. Text the word talk, talk. to 741-741. 741741. So that's the National Text Hotline. These are two resources that can help you and help someone that's struggling. If for some reason it is, a, it is escalating beyond any of the resources I just talked about, dial 911. Have emergency first responder emergency services come help that person. So there is help out there. And again, 1-800-273-TALK or text talk, the word TALK to 741-741.
Excellent. I'm going to mention something else here that I have read about, and I think it's a very important point for anybody that's listening that, heaven forbid, is thinking suicidally themselves or knows somebody that is. I remember reading about, I have never heard him speak. Uh, you may know who I'm talking about, Marianne. You may know his name. Uh, a guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. Kevin Hines. I'd, li I'd like to, have, you'll, you'll talk about it in a second. And how, you know, he's out there now giving presentations. He tried to end his life. And fortunately, he was not successful. And I just want to make this quick point, and then I want you to jump on that, please. And that is that most people, or certainly a good number of people who survive the attempt, are so glad that it didn't work out because they find out that there was a light at the end of the tunnel, that things can actually get better in their lives. But at that moment, they weren't seeing it. Can you please talk about him and that point? I have met Kevin Hines on more than one occasion. Kevin Hines. I have heard him speak on more than one occasion. As a matter of fact, I believe in 2016 or 17, we actually honored Kevin at our Lifesaver Gala, which takes place typically in March of every year. Kevin wrote a book about his experience and the one part that stayed with me, and I've read his book, and unfortunately, Jeff, I have COVID brain, and I cannot remember the name of the book, but if you That's look up here. Kevin Hines. Is it H-I-N-E-S? H-I-N-E-S? H-I-N-E-S. Okay, Kevin Hines. You can find his, his book. I think he's written a second book since then, but when I've heard him speak more than once, and what just sits with me every time, and he's, he's told his whole story. The one piece, and he it was an hour speech, but one thing <laughs> stayed with me even now, all these years later, is that the second he jumped, he knew he had made a mistake. Wow. He couldn't reverse it. Yeah. And for anyone that is a survivor, I, I say to you, I'm, I'm, my heart is with you because that is, that can be, what I just said can be a trigger. So please know that I'm thinking of you because it is a trigger for me. And that was powerful because there's other stories of those experiences. Kevin went on to survive. I, there's very few people that survived that jump. But since then, Kevin started a foundation where now the Golden Gate Bridge actually has fences up. There's also people that are there walking and looking for anyone that looks like they're distressed and maybe contemplating it. Kevin actually is an international speaker on this subject. So he travels all over the world. I don't want to quote, I don't want to be held as the expert again, but I believe that Kevin does struggle with bipolar disorder. Okay. So that may have come into play. So I would encourage you to read his book. It's very enlightening. Just to elaborate on the critical point you made about what Kevin said that had an impact on you, in addition to the survivors, the people who may be thinking about this, doing something like this, Kevin realized right away it was a mistake. He just was fortunate enough to live. But at the moment, it looks like there's no other way out. Just think about this. Just, just, just think about this. And those, those tips about how to recognize and deal with it are just so vital, Mary. And thank you for sharing them. 
I'd like to ask you one other quick thing and then we'll close. And that is another group that you alluded to way back earlier in the discussion. I want you to just mention it briefly again now. There are sadly people like you who have lost family members due to suicide. Can you just briefly talk about the, the support group for those who've lost somebody? We, we partner with suicide, S is called SOS, Survivors of Suicide. Okay. They are throughout the country. We have groups within the greater Philadelphia area um, where it is survivors. There's usually one or two facilitators that have been trained and we will offer that facilitator training and they host events um, or groups, whether it be weekly, monthly, bi-weekly, bi-monthly, and you can go on to AFSP.org. You can search for your area and you can find all the groups that are, are available to you in your specific area. So it is a nationwide partnership. Okay, that's a perfect segue to how we can end this great discussion, which is how can the listeners find out more about what AFSP does at the national level, if they're, you know, whatever region they're in, if they're Philadelphia, if they're California, whatever, you know, the programs, the walks. I know in the Philadelphia area, there's a walk. You alluded to a walk. If they want to volunteer, let's make it 1 million one, 1 million two. We can do this. How do they find out more? So go to AFSP.org and in it's a brand new website. It's gorgeous, if I do say so. <laughs> I have nothing to do with it, but I'm okay. proud of it. And you can just, there's a, there's a toolbar up top that can, you want to volunteer, you click on volunteer. You want to find out about your local chapter, you find out about your local chapter. Whatever you need, there's a, you, there's a link that you can click to. Jeff, you talked about the walks. Well, this year is very, very different for us. Yeah. Um, there are 473 walks across the country. Wow. And we start in September, clear across the country, and end in November. And this work that we do with these walks has, it just, the list is so long, but I, I always talk about the day of hope, healing, feeling like you are part, you're me too, you're not alone, you're not in isolation. And it's what fuels the work that we do because 83% of the funds that we raise go back into our communities with all the things and then some things I didn't even touch on. So if you want to know what walk is happening in your area, go to it. There's a link for that. We are calling it an out of So typically the walk is called the out of darkness community walk because of COVID and the restrictions across the country. I can talk to Philadelphia. We are not allowed to have this walk at the art museum this year. So we are doing walk where you are, in your neighborhoods, in your parks, at the beach, at the lake, in your rocking chair if you're tired and you just want to <laughs> show your support. And then we, and I can tell you that a good portion of us are doing an online presentation. So we're calling it the out of the darkness experience. We're bringing this work that we all do and the movement we have as a personal experience this year. So for Philadelphia, we're still going to have an online presentation that opens the ceremony on October 4th. 
more details to come. But then if you're a team, like Dom's Wolf Pack, we're going to be walking that day in our neighborhood at the park that's right down the street from me. Or if you're a beach goer, you can walk at the beach or wherever you are that makes your heart sing and you can feel connected to your community and your loved ones. That's terrific. And I, I will just add to that, that I have had the pleasure of walking two years and one year, at least one year, I can't remember now about the other year, but at least one year, my daughters and my girlfriend came with me and it's just an astounding thing. And thousands of people, this was the art museum experience, thousands of people and it's just, it's just incredible. And it's all to raise awareness, but to raise funds to support the organization and what it does. Well, Marianne, this has been wonderful. The topic is a very difficult one, but I think you've shed some positive light on it and what we can do individually, what we can do collectively to try to bring down the number of attempts and certainly the number of losses that occur because of suicide. So thank you again for sharing with us your great insights and perspectives and information. Thank you, Jeff, for giving us the opportunity. I'm very honored. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, jeff-ostroff.com. That's J-E-F-F-Ostroff, O-S-T-R-O-F-F dot com. This is Jeff Ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on Looking Forward.